you're listening to a recent sermon from Covenant Church. For more information or other sermons like this one, you can find us at covenantchurchonline.com. And now, with a message from our latest series, Explosions, Sharks, Beards, and Bacon, here is Pastor Travis Davenport. Well, hey, welcome to week one of our new series here at Covenant entitled Explosions, Sharks, Beards, and Bacon. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, now, I had a lot of people ask me. My name's Travis, by the way, and I have the great uh, privilege of serving as the pastor here. Uh, now, a lot of people asked me, like the last couple weeks, like, dude, what's, what's up with the title, Explosions, Sharks, Beards, and Bacon? Shouldn't it be like called, like I don't know, something biblical and... I'm like, what's more biblical than probably something that's on the top 10 list of every man in America, right? I mean, seriously, you've got explosions. That's just, from a kid, you're born, you come out of the womb as a boy with firecrackers. I don't know if you knew that or not, setting things on fire. Uh, sharks, I mean, you know, when entire, ta- uh, when entire TV you know, stations dedicate an entire week to just one specific animal, that's definitely a good thing. Beards. I mean, that just speaks for itself, right? I mean, just amazing beards. The longer the beard, the better the man. That's what I like to say. And uh, then bacon. Do I need to really say anything at all? Did you guys enjoy that bacon this morning, by the way? It's good. Good stuff. Now, it's funny because I'll, I'll, I'll tell people this, and, and I, tell, I literally will just say it like that, and the husband will say like, oh, yeah, and the woman will look at him and be like, well, I don't even, I don't even get it. And that's fine. Because men and women see things very differently, don't they? And I'm, and I'm not talking about this whole, like, men are from Mars and women are from Venus junk. I'm, we're all from the same place. We just see the world very diff- differently. Can I, get a, can I get an amen on that? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, in, in fact, how many, how many of you guys in here, how many of you men, how many men do we actually have? Can I just get a grunt in here from the men? There we go. This is feeling like home now. This is good. I like this. I'm back in the cave. All right. Can I get a grunt from the women? Just is that? <laughs> that was cute. All right. Well, if, if you're married, and I don't care if you've been married for one day or for 55 years, you realize that there is a big difference between men and women. The mo- Come right on down here, sister. You can start preaching for me. I mean, holy cow. See, you understand that. She understands it. We understand that. Um, <clears throat> I, was trying to, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, and uh, I, w- I was getting ready to, to, to take a shower because I bathe standing up like men do. And uh, is there any other way to, to bathe? And um, you've got to be nimble. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and anyway, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm showering, I'm, you know, doing my thing, and, uh, and I reach over to grab for my soap, and I grab something a lot larger than what my normal, you know, my normal bar of soap is. I re- look over, and there in my hand looks to be a piece of fruit. Actually, a pear. I mean, there's a leaf on it, there's a stem, it's a pear, there's a giant pear where my soap should be. Now, something goes through my mind, there's there's two things that's going on here, you know. Number one, either my wife has left me a delectable treat to make my bathing experience even better. She's learned my love language after these years, apparently. My love language is food, I added that one in. It's, It's okay, I'm a pastor. Or, my wife has replaced my soap with something that she deems more soapy. I was very saddened uh, to find out that it was the latter of the two options. My wife had replaced my simple bar of soap and uh, had put in what appeared to be a low-hanging fruit. Um, like I said, a pear. Now, now, this doesn't make sense to me, because I'm a guy. I don't get it. Like, um, you can buy an entire year's worth of soap for me in one visit to the grocery in one package. Five bars of soap. That's it. That's all I need for the year. That's an, an entire year's worth. My wife, she'll go to the grocery. She'll go to the store. She'll be like, hey, I'm going out. Do you need anything? Uh, yeah, actually, I'm down to about a nickel size because that's what we do as men, right, with our soap. I mean, we'll use it till there's that much. Your wife will come and clean out the shower. She'll be like, what is it? No, no, get rid of it. That's my soap. She's like, there's this much left. Oh, yeah, I put it on my finger, and I like, kind of just dab it around. 
And so she'll, she'll say, I'm going out. Do you need anything? Yeah, I, I actually, I need my yearly supply of soap. And she'll say, okay, well, what kind do you, what kind do you want me to get you? you know, and that question's lost on me. Like, what kind? The kind that says soap on the front. I don't know who it's made by. It's colorless. It's almost odorless. It's definitely tasteless. Um, it comes in a loosely held together package, and you can buy it at a gas station the same that you could buy it at a Walmart, the same that you could buy it at a mall. It just says soap. That's it, right? But my wife, she's got a different kind of view. Like, she's got peppermint mocha soap, and she's got soap that's shaped like, like animals and uh, fruit and vehicles. I don't, even, I don't even know. It's just like the weirdest things ever. But here, for, as a man, like, I don't want to smell like a meadow. Can I, can I get a backup here, man? Am I, am I, am I right, man? Like, free, free, I mean, we're free today, okay? Praise Jesus, we're, like, we're free, so we're men, all right? I don't want to smell like a meadow. I don't want to smell like a forest. I don't want to smell like the ocean. I don't want to smell like a mandarin orange. I don't. I want to smell like a man. I want to have the same wild musk that won my wife over, prevalent in my life, running free on the plains of manliness today as I did 10 years ago. Can I get an amen? All right, that's my rant about soap. So, the, the whole thing is, men and women see things completely differently a lot of the times, and yet we still have to live together. Now, there's a difference between men and women, but there's actually major differences between men and men as well. Do you realize that? There's differences, there's major differences in different types of guys, and that's predominantly what I want to talk to you about today. If you have those worship guides, would you just pull those out real quick, grab your pen, and I want you to write this sermon title down today. It's called Bro Up. Bro Up. And for some of us in here, predominantly us men, I uh, would not uh, encourage you women to bro up, but for us men in here, it is time for us to bro up. It's time for us to, to bro up. And when, we, when we're doing this, there's something you have to know. There are two major types of uh, characteristics that men lean into. We either lean one way or the other as men. Uh, number one, men either lean into chauvinism, and write that down. We either lean into chauvinism or we lean into cowardice. Turn to your neighbor and say, chauvinism. Turn to your other neighbor and say, cowardice. And as men, we lean, one, we lean into one way or the other. That's how we inherently work. Um, by the way, when I was little, any other guys in here when you were young collect baseball cards? Remember? You remember when you collected so many of them and you had folders? Remember that? And you, you, and you like, you would sit on your bed and you'd look over and you had like 10 folders and you'd be like, <laughs> someday those are going to be worth millions. Remember that? They're still worth like nothing, by the way. Like Wade Boggs from Boston, that card's worth like four cents. I thought that was going to get me through college. All right. Well, just like in college, uh, just like in college, just like when I was young with baseball cards, I brought some of my baseball cards here to show you today to illustrate the types of men uh, that, that men are. And we're going to start with the chauvinists. Okay? You guys ready? Yes? Yes? All right. The chauvinists under, don't understand that masculinity, what masculinity is, and the group of men that I'm going to describe to you don't understand, this, the chauvinists, don't understand how to treat a woman. Um, there's four basic ones, and uh, let's see the first one. The first guy up here I'll introduce you to, his name is I'm a Man Mike. He looks pretty good, right? Now, this is a chauvinistic man right here. I'm a man, Mike. This is a guy, he doesn't really know what a man is. He just knows that a man is not a woman. Pretty intelligent fellow here, right? This is the guy who doesn't really know what a man is. He just knows that it's not a woman. So whatever a woman is, he's going to be the opposite. Whatever a woman does, he's going to do the opposite. Now, some of you guys had this... I'm a man, Mike, as a dad, didn't you? So if your mom would give you a hug, if your mom would kiss you, that's something Mike's not doing. If your mom would say, hey, I love you, honey, that's something Mike's not doing. If your mom is the person that would help you with homework or cook dinner or cook meals, that's something that I'm a man, Mike, is not going to be doing. Uh, what I'm a man, Mike, doesn't understand is that men and women both alike are, all, are, are both created in the image of God. And they both have the same emotions and the same passions and, and the same experiences. And they tend to express them in different 
ways, but I'm a man Mike doesn't think this way. He thinks that women are women, men are men, and just because if a woman does it, then it's feminine. That's how he talks, is feminine, right? And he's not going to do it. I'm a man Mike is one of those guys who uh, tends to think that being a man is this, whoever can belch the loudest, spit the farthest, punch the hardest, and drink the most, that's a real man. You met my, I'm a man, Mike. Anybody of you know, you know I'm a man, Mike? You're like, yeah, I'm married to Mike right here. No, don't say that. You'll get in trouble. He'll punch you. All right. It's true, he will. The problem is, I'm a man, Mike is wrong. Because that is not a man. That is not a man. And, and just so you know, there's no women. I guarantee you, there's no women, like, there's no girl, single women, like, sitting around praying, like, dear Lord. Would you just bring me a guy that can spit really far and burp really loud and smell up my car, not bathe for weeks, yell at me, and then punch my friends? Thanks, God. Nobody does that. And yet I'm a man, Mike, think that, thinks that's what it looks like to be a man. The second guy we have, Rich Richard. Rich Richard. Say hello to Rich Richard. There he is. There he is. There he is. Rich Richard, this is the guy who defines himself by what he has and by what he does. This guy drives me insane. You ever met Rich Richard? He's the guy that's always like, hey, did I tell you how much my company made this week? Hey, did I tell you how much is in my 401k? Hey, did I tell you the new kind of car I got, the new kind of house I got, the new kind of toy I got? Hey, look at my wife. Hey, look at this thing. Hey, look at this stuff. I have it all. Look at me. And you just want to slap him in the face, Right? I mean, this guy is insane, and he judges everything uh, by what he does and, and who he is and all that kind of stuff. He talks about his victories. He talks about his wins. That's it. And, and, and here's the thing. Rich Richard, he treats his wife like a trophy. That's all that she is. She just needs to be quiet and stand there. She's just there to look beautiful, and she's just there to compliment him and make himself look better. Her job is just to stand there and look pretty. She's just another notch on his belt. He doesn't love her well. He doesn't serve her well. He's more concerned with his income and his possessions than his wife and his children. And that's what makes him a rich Richard. All right, the third person. Third person. This guy is scary. His name's Give Him Hell Hank. I'm, I'm scared this guy's going to come out the car and smack me with that bat. Like, this is, this, this guy's scary. No one likes this guy right? And we all know one. We all know a give him hell Hank, don't we? And you're like, you're like, I don't want to say because I'm scared he'll hear me even from miles away. Like, this is an intimidating man. This is an intimidating guy. He is loud. He is violent. He's, all, he's got all types of anger problems. Um, he's got a short temper. He's rude. He's crude. He's mean. He's harsh. He's overbearing. He's intimidating. He's, uh, he's scary. Let me ask you, are you this guy? Is, is this you? Are you give him hell, Hank? Is your wife scared of you? Do your children fear you? Are they scared of you? How do you lead your children? Do you lead your children with intimidation and fear? What kind of man intimidates a woman? Well, give him hell, Hank does. Lastly, on the list of chauvinism, this is the guy named Charles in Charge. Charles in Charge, there he is. Now, Charles in Charge is annoying as all get out. Because Charles in charge, literally just like his name, has to be in charge of everything. Has to be in charge of everyone. Always knows what the best solution is to every single situation. Always knows where to go, what to do, and how to do it, and the best way to do this, and all this kind of stuff. This is Charles in charge. People hate this guy. He can't keep, really, he like can't keep a job very well because Charles in charge is always telling his boss how to do his job. You ever met this guy? Wherever he goes. First time he's ever gone into a restaurant, he sits down and tells the, the chef how to make food better than, than, than he makes it currently. Like this is, this is who this guy is. He drives everybody insane. Um, this is the kind of guy, by the way, who I, I like, these guys show up to church and they drive me nuts. Can I, just, can I just vent with you? You won't tell anybody, right? These kind of guys show up to church. Charles in charge. And they show up, and they come up to me. First day in church, don't know them, never met them. They walk right up to me and say, Pastor, I want to lead something. I want to be, can you put me in charge of something? I'd be like, yeah, you can be in charge of filling out a first-time visitor card. That'd be fantastic. Could you do that? I don't know who you are, right? 
That's what you could be in charge of. Thank you very much. And, and these guys, they really get mad and they leave churches. They jump church to church to church to church. And, and they burn their family and they burn their kids. And they, and they end up saying things like this, like, I can't find a good church. Like, we, we just can't, we've looked everywhere. We just can't find a good church. Um, and what they're really saying is, I can't find a pastor dumb enough to take my orders, is really what they're saying. Charles in charge is the king of everything that he sees. He bosses his wife around. He sits in the corner while he sits in his easy chair and barks out orders to his slaves, a.k.a. his family. Charles in charge. Now, if I were to present a food item that Charles in charge would represent, I'm sorry, that the chauvinists would represent, I would most likely say that the chauvinists are most like a jawbreaker, right? They're hard on the outside and maybe even harder at the center. Uh, the chauvinistic man is hard on the outside and hard on the inside. So I'm going to call these guys the jawbreakers. Turn to your neighbor and say, the jawbreakers. The next group of people, you either, either lead as a man, you either lean into chauvinism or cowardice. And this is how it works, okay? Um, and you might be saying like, oh, well, good. I'm not like any of those guys. I'm really good now. I'm no, you may be worse. All right. Because <laughs> the second group of guys are called the cowards. And if I was going to compare the cowards to any type of food group, which I don't know if I'd count. This is a food group to me, uh, the marshmallow food group. This is how cowards are, okay? Because they're soft on the outside and soft on the inside. Everybody walks on them, and they don't care. They're pliable. They just squish down, and look at that. They'll come right back up to size. They've been letting it happen to them for years. They let people walk all over them. They don't care. They're soft on the outside. They're soft on the inside. They are not really a man. They are a coward. Now, this is going to get rough, okay? Just so you know. This is going to hurt a little bit. But it's going to be good at the end. So you just hold on, and it'll be okay. You can go get your mom to hold your hand after the service, because you might need it after this. All right. The first one, the first guy is the man that we like to call, the guy that we like to call, Baby Boy Brock. There he is. That's a good-looking guy right there. He looks like he could be in my family. Baby Boy Brock. Now, Baby Boy Brock, to be honest, I'm not going to try and bash him too hard. He's a total sweetheart. I mean, he's just a gentle, kind, he's just a, he's just a, Big old sweetie pie. He's just literally just a good dude, um, just, just loving and all that kind of stuff. Now, he, he's a guy that's in his 20s, 30s, God forbid his 40s. Uh, he can't keep a job. He forgets to set his alarm. He's eight years or so into his undergraduate degree. He works part-time because it stresses him out. Just so stressed out, right? He probably still lives with his mom. Um, if he doesn't live with his mom, then his mom definitely brings him groceries every week because she's so nervous and like, I'm just so worried about you. Like, are you okay? Thanks, Mom. Could you take my laundry? Of course, honey. I've got this, right? I just, I would, I would do my laundry, Mom, but this part-time job is just stressing me out, right? That's baby boy Brock. Um, and, and he gets away with murder. This dude gets away with everything because he's such a nice guy. You just want to pinch his cheeks, but somebody needs to punch him in the gut. <laughs> Nobody does, though. He gets away with murder. Baby boy Brock really loves his mom. I mean, like, too much. He loves his mom because she's always changing his proverbial diaper, right? And his hope is someday to meet a really nice girl. Just, I just, mom, mom, I just want to meet a really nice girl who's just like you. Of course, you want to marry your mom. You want to find a woman who will replace your mom. You want to, baby boy Brock, you want to find a woman who will, who will marry you just so that she can take care of all the bills, take care of all the cleaning, take care of all the children, take, car, take care of all the laundry, take care of everything. That's baby boy Brock. His hope is to find that kind of girl. And baby boy Brock comes up with really dumb ideas too. He's the guy that's always like, you know what? When I get married, I'm going to be the stay-at-home dad. And she's going to go out and get all the money. She's going to make it all. You know, his, this is probably a good idea for him, though. You know why? Because he probably relates to those children better than anybody else because they're on the same level. Baby Boy Brock is the guy that, that just can't get up for work in the morning because Xbox Live was just so hard last night. Second guy, show up Stan. Oh, can I just say one more thing about Baby Boy Brock? 
We'll get to him in a minute. Go back to Baby Boy Brock. <laughs> Baby Boy Brock is also the guy, get this, who has all the potential in the world. And so people will look at him and say, that guy's got potential. But it will always be unfulfilled potential. Understand that? That's who this guy is. He's a joke. He's an idiot. All right, let's go to show up, Stan. This is show up, Stan. <laughs> this is the dad who, by the world standards, you would think he's a good dad. He basically fulfills his name. He goes to work and comes home. He pays the bills, turns on the TV, and then he checks out. You know, you know this guy? Have you met this guy before? Was this guy your family? This is the dad who is physically present but emotionally absent. Show up Stan is always working on his car. He's always on the internet. He's always checking his phone. He's always checking his Facebook. He's always in his study. He's always in the garage. He's always in the yard. This is, this is the guy where kids in therapy when they're in their 30s look over at their dad and they're like, Dad, you were never there. And the dad's like, I was there every day. That's how this happens. He was there, but he was checked out. He was nowhere to be found. This is the guy that, that never says, I love you. This is the coward that never hugs his kids. He never encouraged anybody. And he'll look at them and he'll say, well, wasn't I a good dad? What are you talking about? I provided. I put, I put food on the table. I, I kept the electricity on. They were like, yeah, but you were not present. You were not connected. You were not participating. That makes him a coward. The guy's ultimately a coward. He's afraid to get involved with his wife and his children. All right, next up. Next up. This guy right here. Now, out of all of them, this guy is the oddball. Christian T-shirt Craig. You guys ever met a Christian T-shirt Craig before? Anybody, anybody, I mean, just raise your hand. It's okay. Anybody know Craig? Anybody know this dude? Anybody? Anybody know a Christian? Nobody? Okay. Let me describe him to you because I, I know Christian T-shirt Craig. Christian T-shirt Craig is the guy who only wears Christian T-shirts. And I'm not talking about like the ones that are like cool looking. I'm talking about like there's a, there's a lamb jumping over a rainbow coming out of a dove's chest. You know what I mean? With like Psalm 23, you know? <laughs> That's Christian T-shirt Craig. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Christian T-shirt Craig has like 35 Christian bumper stickers on the back. Just to, he's got like WWJD, 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 WWJD. He's got the like... You know, Jesus is my co-pilot. Jesus on board. He's got the, you know, no fear, no fear, you know. And he's got a cross here. He's got one hanging from him. He's got like a cross air freshener that he has in his car hanging. He's got the Jesus bobblehead on the, you know. He's got literally. There's no way that this guy, this guy drives by you at 100 miles an hour that you're not catching like, like the fact that he's a Christian. Like there is no doubt, right? That's this guy. Um, he only ever listens to Christian music, but when I say that, it's always like the weird Kenny G-ish praise Christian music. You know what I mean? <laughs> they get their own channel. Um, he's always reading the latest trendy Christian books. He wants everybody to know how hyper-spiritual he, hyper he is to the point where he annoys everybody. Like everybody. Like his kids are like, like, like Christian t-shirt Craig will say to his kids like, hey kids, why don't you, why don't you have anybody over to the house anymore? And they'll be like, because dad, you're so weird. All you want to do is talk about the Canaanites and like the, the, good, the, you know, the good decision or bad decision of circumcision in the Bible. We don't want to have our friends over and like be around you, right? Uh, Christian T-shirt Craig is the guy that doesn't leave money for waitresses or waiters. He leaves tracks, right? Here's a tip. Accept Christ. Here's a tip. Leave me some money. I make $2 an hour. Thank you. Christian T-shirt Craig is the guy that you don't want to go out to eat with because you'll be sitting there and a waiter will come by with water, you know what I mean, and he'll start pouring your water, and just out of nowhere, no relationship, no anything, he'll look at him and say, excuse me, sir, as you pour this water, do you realize that Jesus, the Son of God, would like to have water pouring out of you, streams of everlasting life, and you're just like going down into your seat, grabbing a knife and going, Christian T-shirt Craig, man, to be the spiritual leader does not mean that you have to be a total freakishly weird oddball. 
Lastly, lastly, number four, life of the party, Pete. <laughs> this guy's really excited to be here today. Life of the party, Pete. Everyone loves him. He's the life of the party. He's funny. He's charming. He's winsome. He's entertaining. There's always a crowd of people around him. Everybody likes him. He gets along with everybody. And here's the key. Everybody loves him. Nobody respects him. Everybody loves him. Nobody respects him. You know why? Because he's a joke. He's a joke. That's why he's so funny. He doesn't just tell jokes. He is one. His entire life is one big joke. Every time something happens in his life, he just turns it into a joke. Every time his electric is turned off, he turns it into a joke. Every time one of his kids fails a class, he turns it into a joke. He is completely a joke. He can't hold a job. He can't pay his bills. He can't get out of bed in the morning. He can't follow through on a commitment. He can't stay organized. He can't see anything through to completion. Everybody loves him. Nobody respects him. He'll draw a crowd, but they won't follow him because he's, they won't follow him because he's not going anywhere. He's a joke. He's a moron. He is an imbecile. You follow me? He's fun to be around. Yeah, this is, this is, I mean, he's fun. He's really fun. And he'll, he'll get a wife. He'll get married. But eventually, uh, he becomes not so cute <laughs> to his wife. Not so funny, not so clever. He becomes profoundly annoying is what he becomes. She's tired of the jokes and the good times and the everything's funny and aren't I the coolest guy in the room and look how funny I am. I'm 50 years old and I'm relating to 16-year-old kids. This is awesome. Let's watch Twilight, right? It's not cool. Not cool at all. Because his wife needs a man that she can depend on. And she gets sick of it. See, men are prone towards chauvinism or cowardice. As I said, jawbreakers or marshmallows. Jawbreakers or marshmallows. Jawbreakers or marshmallows. So today, let me ask you this question. What does it actually look like to be a man? What does it look like to be a man? Well, the answer to that as is the case, by the way, with many of life's greatest questions, can be answered with, with meat. It's true. Yeah, I thought I'd get a lot more amens than that, especially from the men in here who understand the deeper truth in life. I mean, the fact of the matter is this question, along with a host of other questions, uh, real big questions, can be answered with meat. Because when it comes to a man, you don't want to be hard on the outside and hard on the inside. You don't want to be a jawbreaker. You don't want to be a chauvinist. You don't. But you don't want to be, you know, a marshmallow. You don't want to be soft on the outside and soft on the inside. And, and, and so really, to be a real man, you have to understand that the best thing that you can be is just like a big rack of ribs. Right there. You see those? Just a rack of ribs. Because if you cook ribs correctly, if you cook them correctly, the outside should be tender. Really tender, like really, second, so just like that could fall off the bone right now if I wanted it to. But the inside is solid. So the outside is tender, but the inside is solid. And now, ribs, they'll come in all different types of shapes and sizes and colors. They'll come in different types of flavors. Some are zesty, some are, are deep and rich and, 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 you know, woodsy. I don't know. Just different kinds, of, different kinds of ribs for different kinds of people who like to eat different kinds of ribs, right? Same is true with men. Some of them might be short, some might be tall, some might be skinny, some might be fat, some might be strong, some might be weak. <laughs> some might be, uh, have, have some beards, some may not be able to grow any facial hair. Maybe you can only grow a patch over here. Grow it out strong, brother. Own that right there. <laughs> Just grow that thing. Okay. But it doesn't matter. Because when it comes to men, we are not to be hard on the outside and hard on the inside. Or soft on the outside and soft on the inside. When it comes to men, we are supposed to be like the ultimate man whose name was Jesus Christ. Who was a tender man, but also solid on the inside. Tender on the outside, that's right, and soft on the inside. See, this is what it means when Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, look at this. He says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. And then he says what? What's he say? You don't know. You can't read it. What's he say? I'll tell you. He says this. Act like men. I love that. I love Paul. 
There's something about them that just like, just grabs out like, I just want to watch Braveheart after I read 1 Corinthians. But not the whole thing, just the part where they like cut his body up and he yells freedom at the end, right? That's the part I would like, they pull him apart. He's like, ah, that's, I just want to, because Paul just gets right to the center of it. He says, act like a man, be strong, stand firm, act like a man. How? How? He says, be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. Be strong and let all that you do be done in love. Tender on the outside, solid at the core. See, the key is to understand the gospel, as is everything. The gospel and meat. If you're on an island, just, let's just go there. If you're on an island, you only need two things to survive. What are they? Meat and the gospel. That's it. As long as you have that, your life will be saved. And then when you run out of, out of, out of meat, your life in eternity will be saved as well. Like, what else is there? There's meat and the gospel. Thanks. I thought I'd get a better, better response, but still trying to warm you up. You're like a slow roast. All right, we're just kind of keep going. <laughs> See, the key to understanding the gospel, the key is to understand the gospel. Uh, the perfect man is Jesus. And the, the man that we're supposed to strive to be like is Jesus, our great God, our great Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus comes into human history, and he lives as the perfect man. God-man, to be sure, yeah, but perfect man nonetheless. You and I need to take our cue from the masculinity of Jesus. Now, just very briefly, I've shown you what it looks like. Now I want to give you just a couple quick cues on, on exactly what it means to be a man. So if you're taking notes this morning, write this one down. Number one, number one, a real man takes responsibility for himself. A real man takes responsibility for himself. The more a man takes responsibility, the more he'll make sense out of the gospel. Now think about that. The more a man takes responsibility, the more he'll make sense out of the gospel. Jesus takes responsibility for himself. He works a job. You're like, what job did he have? He was a carpenter. Really? Yes, he had a J-O-B. Jesus had a job. He was a man. Men get jobs. So yes, Jesus had one. He works a job. He takes responsibility. And Jesus takes responsibility for me as well. See, the cross is, is where Jesus substituted himself and died in my place for my sins. My sins are my fault. You get that. Our sins are our fault. But Jesus is so good that Jesus takes them on as his responsibility. Now that's a good man right there. That's a good man. A good man is one that will look over your faults and say, I will take you on and I will take on what you've done as my responsibility. That's a good man. And Jesus does that. He does that for me. He's doing that for you. In fact, Jesus does this for the world. And if you understand this, this will change the way that you look at, at masculinity. See, a man is not the one who can punch the hardest, spit the farthest, drink the most, yell the loudest. A man is the one who can take the most responsibility. This means you take responsibility for yourself. Some of you guys, can I just be honest with you in here? Yes? <laughs> can, I just, can I just be honest with you in here for just a moment? I mean, I've been honest the whole time, don't get me wrong, but this is going to be a little more honest than, than that. Some of you guys... And you, may, you might not have been ever told this before. You've probably been told how great you are your whole life. Um, how beautiful, how wonderful of a guy you are. Listen, you're a total joke. 100%. You're a total, utter joke. And some of you in here, you're not, you're not a man. And you call yourself a man, and you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s, I don't care. But you're, you're not a man. You are a total joke, and I have no respect for you at all. None. You can't keep a job. You, you can't get a job. <laughs> you can't keep your hands off the girls that you're with. Some of you are married, and you can't keep your hands off women. Who, who are you? I'll tell you who you're not. You're not a man. A man takes responsibility for himself. Scripturally, that's what a man does. So if you want to call yourself a man, then you need to act like a man. And acting like a man means that you stand strong and that you do everything in love. 
So if you can't get a job, you're not standing strong. If you can't keep a job, you're not standing strong. Like, you don't understand the economy. Go flip burgers. They're hiring. I saw a sign on the way to church this morning. You're like, well, I don't know. You don't understand. My wife and I, we were in a, in, a, in a place where we were really hurting emotionally, and so I took it out, and I, I went and found this. Now you're not standing in love then, bro. That's not a man. Take responsibility. See, being a man is hard. You understand that, right? I'm not playing. Being a man is hard. It is not easy. That's why not everybody gets their man card. Because <laughs> it is difficult. It is an elite club. It actually means something when you say, I'm a man. It actually should mean something when you walk in and go, you the man. That used to mean something. Now everybody just says, you the man. Why? Because they're a boy? Because they got the right parts, the right equipment? No! You the man means something a lot different. It means that things are hard, but we do them anyway. Uh, it doesn't make you a man just because you can grow facial hair. It doesn't make you a man just because you're of age. It doesn't make you a man just because you can drink. And here's the key. Being a man is hard, but that's okay. Because real men do hard things. Can you write that down? Can you maybe just tattoo that across your chest? Can you imagine? Now, that'd be a real man. If somebody walked up to me next week, a man, by the way, not a woman, and ripped open their shirt and said, check out my chest, man, and it just says, I do hard things, I would seriously give that guy a high five. And I'd be like, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> right? Being a man is hard, but that's okay, because as men, we, let me hear you, do hard You're not sold on it. That's okay, I'll get you there. Number two. Number two, a real man takes responsibility for others. So a real man takes responsibility for himself. Number two, a real man takes responsibility for others. Look at this scripture in Ephesians chapter 5, starting verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and as himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I love that pause, by the way, when I go through premarital counseling with people. I love this. Because guys walk in, they're like, yeah, right. Give them hell, Hank. They come in and sit down. They got their arm around their woman. The, the guy's like 27, still wearing his varsity jacket from high school, you know. <laughs> hey, man, I, I lettered in track. <laughs> All right, sweet, man. That's awesome. <laughs> um, anyway. And they'll be like, hey, I, uh, you know, I don't know much about this church stuff. But I do know that women are supposed to submit to men, Right? And, uh, you know, the girl will be sitting there. She's like, I don't know. I just, I trust him. You know, I love him. He's a good guy. And I'm like, no, he's a jerk. No. And he'll be like, but pastor, back me up on this. I mean, women do submit to men, right? I mean, you know, he'll give me a what, what, right? You know. I'm like, yeah, you're exactly right. Let's read that passage, sir. And it says this. Now, the husband is the head of his wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body is himself its savior. Good so far. The guy's like, yep, uh -huh, mm -hmm, I'm, yep. Mm -hmm. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything and their husbands. Exactly. So I told you it was in there. That's God. You got to do it. That's Bible. You got to do that. You, I mean, hey, I'd change it if I could, but I can't, so you know. And I say, well, actually, you know, that there's more, actually. Oh, there is? Oh, yeah. Get ready, honey. Here we go. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And at this point, this guy's like, oh, I think we got it. I think we're good. Like, I just want to prove my point. Yeah, let me finish mine. He gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And I look at that man and I will say, the ultimate submission is for you to submit to your wife by laying your life down for her every single moment of every single day. That's what it means to be a man. Because as a man, you don't just take responsibility for yourself, but you also take responsibility for others. And that's what it means to be a man. This is what we do. We got sporadic claps, but it's okay. Bring them in. Bring them in. I'll receive that. Amen. All right, good. I'll take that. Get what I can get. It's funny, by the way. It's funny, by the way, when you meet guys who are like, oh, I'm just in between jobs right now. I'd be like, oh, okay. And everybody, this happens to everybody. I get it. I get it. 
I do, I know, our, our, right now we're in a, a strange place in, in our country with jobs and, and health care and all these things, I understand. And, and you may have lost your job, I understand that. But if you've lost your job and you've been in between jobs for like three to four years now, you're, you're not a man. You're a joke. Like, well, I'm just waiting for the perfect job. It ain't coming, man. It's not coming. You, you go out there and make it happen. Like, you might have to do things you don't want to do until you get to the place where you get the perfect job, right? We talked a couple weeks ago about the creative guys who were like, well, I'm just waiting for Steven Spielberg to call me. He ain't calling you, man. He's just like, I'll take, when I get the perfect job, I'll know it because I'll be working out in Hollywood. You know, like, go make it happen. That's fantastic. But if you're just sitting around, like, watching Netflix all day, oh, I'm not watching. I'm training myself on how to be a good videographer. No, you're an idiot. Okay. It's interesting is that 1 Timothy 5.8 says this. This is a strong verse. It says that a man who doesn't provide for his family has denied his faith and is worse than an infidel. That word infidel means unbeliever, someone who never met Jesus. A man who doesn't provide for his family has denied his faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Even God says it's not a man. It's not a man. You not only take responsibility for yourselves, you also take responsibility for others. And here's the reason, because apparently, according to Scripture, you have to present what God has given to you and give it back to God. You have to show your work. I used to hate that in school. Remember that? I cheated my way through high school in math class. I mean, this is like confession. We're not Catholic, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's true. I, I had this, this, this girl um, that sat next to me, and, and I cheated some. And, um, but then there came the day when, you know, your teacher knows it the whole semester. He knows. But he lets you get away with it because he wants to catch you at the perfect time. He wants to embarrass you so bad. So you're like, oh, I'm getting away. I'm getting A's. I'm getting on. And you actually get to a point where you're like, I'm getting good at this. I'm actually learning a good system where I won't get caught. Like, I'll write down some of the answers she writes, and then I'll intentionally get, like, a couple wrong. And then I'll put down, like, the other ones and get them right, you know, so he won't have any clue because we've missed different ones, right? He knows. He knows. Because then one day he calls you up and says, Mr. Davenport, could you come up and could you do this, uh, you know, equation on the board? And you're like, yeah. And you walk up and somebody's whispering to you and you get through that. But then you have to turn in a paper and he hands it to you and says, hey, I just wanted you to know on this test I want you to show all your work. And we're all sitting in different areas today. Show all your work. And you're like, I cannot do that. <laughs> I don't know what any of that means, right? Someday we have to stand before God, men. Listen to me, men. Someday you have to stand before God and you have to show your work. You have to give an account for everything that you've been responsible for. You have to turn back in your wife. You have to turn back in your kids. You have to turn back in your finances. Turn back everything and everybody that you invested in. And God's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? What was the level of responsibility that you had? See, part of the issue with our nation today is that we have, and back me up if you agree with me, part of the issue is that we have no real men in our homes. People always say, like, well, we got a lot of fatherless homes. And I get that. Yes, we do have fatherless home, homes. We also have manless homes. And that's just as bad as a fatherless home. We can have fatherless homes, yes, where there's no male present, but we can have manless homes where there's a man there, but it's almost worse because he's setting a horrible example for his kids, saying, grow up and be like me. You know why it's so bad? Your children get their understanding and their viewpoint of God through their fathers. And so if you have a father who is emotionally distant, guess how God's going to be presented to them? If you have a father who is, who is emotionally abusive, or physically abusive. Guess how they think God is going to treat them when they're bad. If you have a, a dad who cheats on his mom, if you had a father who, who doesn't show up or shows up drunk or, or doesn't care, or you have a father who's a military uh, type man who's just beating his children and yelling and demands everything from that, how are they going to view God? A lot of fatherless homes, but we've got a lot of manless homes. Part of the issue with our nation today is that we have no real men in our homes. Amen? Which wouldn't be a big deal if men weren't created to set the standard for spiritual growth in their homes. Part of the issue with our nation today, because I don't think you're getting it, 
is that we have no real men in our homes, which wouldn't be a big deal if men weren't created to pastor their homes. Still not getting it. Part of the issue with our nation today is that we have no real men in our homes, which wouldn't be a big deal if that, if, if the, if, if that men weren't created to be courageous warriors that lead the way in all things in their home. I know, men, it's hard to take responsibility for yourself. I know, men, it's hard to take responsibility for others. But it's time as men that we begin to do hard things. You're created to do hard things. 1 Timothy 6. Thanks. I love the sporadic claps. You don't know when to do it. It's all right. You can stand up and point at me. I'll just keep going. You're going to get more. You're going to get more. We're in this together. All right. Number three. This is good. This is a good one. This is a good one. Are you ready? Okay. You and me. Number three. A real man. Write this down. A real man fights the good fight. A lot of men out there fighting. Not a lot of real men out there fighting the good fight. First Timothy says it like this in chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, pause. Who's Timothy writing to? Men. Specifically godly men. I'm going to read this again. We're all here. We're all doing this together. Okay? First Timothy 6. But as for you, O man of God. Who's Timothy writing this to? Men. men. That wasn't good enough. Who's Timothy writing this to? Men. Thank you. Men of God, flee from these things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. I love that. Don't you love this? You're going to have to watch Braveheart twice today to get that. Fight the good fight. Maybe you have to throw Rudy in there. Of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is the verse, man. This is the good verse. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and to Christ Jesus who is in testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment, listen, unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. Jesus, who is blessed, the only sovereign, the only king of kings and the Lord of, lo Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Scripture is clear here. Scripture is clear here. It's talking to all, all of us, but predominantly to us as men. Pretty clear here. It says, pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue steadfastness and gentleness. This is what it means to fight the good fight. Let me ask you, men. Does this describe you? Are you gentle? <laughs> I'm not gentle. I'm a man. What if being a man meant that you were gentle? In the right ways, of course. What if being a man meant that you were consistent and steadfast? What if being a man meant that you were righteous, that you were godly, a man of strong faith? If you are not these things, then you're not even fighting in the battle. You understand that? Do you know what happens to someone who's in a battle and that doesn't fight? They lose. I mean, I'm not sure how that works out statistically, but I'm pretty sure it would be close to 100%. If you're in a battle and you say, hey guys, I'm not going to fight today. I'm just going to, can I just come out here and watch everybody? Is that okay? Right? You have an enemy? You're going to be like, yeah, sure. And they're going to shoot you and you're going to die because you're in a battle. They lose. Men, listen to me. No wonder your wife is distant. You're not fighting the good fight. Men, no wonder your children don't respect you. When's the last time you were out fighting the good fight. Men, no wonder your walk with Christ is nowhere near where it needs to be. When is the last time you were out fighting the good fight? I'm talking about being steadfast. I'm talking about being a man of virtue. 
When's the last time you spent time in God's Word? When's the last time you spent time in prayer? When's the last time you sat down and talked with your children about Jesus Christ, opened up a little girly little baby devotional and read it? The funny little words in there. That's not manly. I'm telling you, that's the manliest thing you can do. That is the manliest thing you could ever do. And so for those of us today that want to think that being a man is more like burping loud, yelling loud, drinking a lot, screaming, cussing, punching, fighting, I'm telling you, you're wrong, you're an idiot. 100%. You will abuse your family, you will hurt those that love you and you love, and you will end up in this life alone. 100%. There will be a day when you wake up in your house alone after a drunken stupor, and you will not have any numbers on your phone because no one will want to be with you. Why? Because that's not a man. That is not a man. Listen to me, man. It is time for a change. Are you with me? I mean, are you with me on this? It is time for men to lead this generation. It's time to grow up, which means it's time to grow up. It's time for you to stand up. It's time for us to take action because the courageous warrior that God created is inside of you begging to be free. I'm talking this morning. I'm preaching at you this morning. I'm not hearing you. I see you, but I'm not hearing you. Am I, am I, am I teaching you something? Are you learning anything today? We're called to be different. The Bible says we're aliens in this world. Why? Because this world doesn't know what it means to be a real man. So why would you take your cue on what a man is from TV? Why would you take your cue from what a man is from the movies? They don't know. They don't know. We have to search scripture and it's found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this recent sermon from our series, Explosions, Sharks, Beards, and Bacon at Covenant Church. If you've made any type of decision today after hearing this message, we'd love to hear your story. Please take a moment to write us at mystory@covenantchurchonline.com and check back regularly for more exciting and impactful sermon audio just like this.